All right, it looks like we're up and running. Good evening, my friends and followers. I'm your lawyer, Patrick McGeehan, and I am your best friend at your worst time. And what are we talking about tonight? We are talking about murder. Uh, I was a homicide detective in another life before I became a lawyer. I was a homicide detective down here in Miami. I spent a lot of time in homicide and a lot of time in road patrol. And I've seen people get killed in all kinds of different ways. I've seen suicides. I've seen people ripped apart from car accidents. I've seen all kinds of industrial accidents. I see. I saw a, uh, a baker that got killed when he got pulled inside a mixer. I saw, I've seen a dump truck bed fall on a worker that was welding on the frame and squash them. I've just seen all kinds of crazy death cases. Suicides, floaters, naturals, homicides, murder, the whole nine yards. It's not too often that a case jumps out at me. But I saw this case in the news the other day. It's out of Orlando, Florida, and it just seemed really interesting to me, and I wanted to get into it and dive into it a little bit deeper. So I ordered the police reports. I pulled some stuff from the clerk of the court's website, and I want to bring it to you and tell you about it in detail and give you maybe a little insight as to what goes on during the investigation, such investigations. Anyway, like I said, this is a case out of Orlando. It's from the Orange County Sheriff's Office, which is the county in which Orlando is. It's actually Winter Park, which is a, a municipality in Orange County. And it's out, I'm guessing it's outside of the city limits of Winter Park. It may have a Winter Park mailing address, but it's outside the city limits because the sheriff's office responded. And I know Winter Park has a police department. I don't know if they do their own homicides or the sheriff's office does homicides for them, but the sheriff's office responded initially as well as the sheriff's homicide detectives. So I'm guessing that it is an unincorporated area and let me see if I can get up here and show you. I'm live on YouTube of the house, if I can figure out how to work this. Let's see. Let me pull up. I'm looking around all the all the cameras here for the computer monitor, but let me pull up the file that has the picture in it. And you could you could see what type of, of house it is. It's a pretty typical, it's a pretty typical Miami two-story townhouse apartment kind of thing. All right, so let me go back to my share screen. Okay, so if you're listening on YouTube, you can see, I'll, I'll point out some things here. It is see it occurred at 4748 Franz Lane number three Winter Park Florida and this is 
the address. This is number three right here with the basketball hoop in front. Um, I'm guessing this is a pretty recent picture. This is a Google Street View from 2020. But it occurred right here, and it looks like it's a two-story townhome. Not on the end, but one in from the end on the left. Yellow with you know, a shingled roof, rain gutters, and lots of parking. Typical, typical Central Florida townhouse. So that gives you an idea what it looks like. Let's go back here. Okay, so on February 24th, Orange County deputies responded to the address in Winter Park in reference to a female reporting that her boyfriend, George Torres Jr., was deceased. Now, the reporting person or the person who is the defendant in this particular case is Sarah Boone, white female, and she's 42 years old. So her, she calls 911, reports her boyfriend deceased, which is a really strange incident to begin with. Cops are going to go to that call. A bunch of cops are going to go to that call once it comes out over the radio. She tells the police officers that her and George, the boyfriend, were playing hide and seek and joking around and thought it would be funny if George got in a suitcase in the living room. So George gets in the suitcase. I mean, what possesses George to get in the suitcase? I have no clue. But anyway, George decides it's a good idea to get in the suitcase. Sarah, the girlfriend, zips him up in the suitcase. They had a few drinks. They were consuming alcohol that night. And then after she zipped him up in the suitcase, she tells the police, hey, I went upstairs and went to bed. She wakes up the next morning around 11 o'clock because she hears her phone ringing, her cell phone ringing. So she goes downstairs and doesn't see George anywhere. She looks around for George and just realizes that, well, maybe George is still in the suitcase. So she unzips the suitcase and finds him dead at 1.07 p.m. Now it says she, she's telling the, the police that she gets up at 11 she doesn't find George dead until 1 p.m. She calls the police at 1 p.m. So what she was doing in those couple hours, trying to figure out whether or not he was dead, I guess. I'm not sure. But you'll see coming up one of the things that she does. So Orange County Sheriff's Office and Fire Rescue respond to the scene. And in fact, George is dead when Fire Rescue gets there. He's near the front door of the residence and near a blue suitcase. And he's got some injuries. He's got some physical injuries. He has a laceration to his lip and some bruising around his eye. So the detectives, being the suspicious guys that they are, going on what we call clues, they conduct an interview, a recorded, audio recorded interview of the girlfriend, Sarah, at a little before five o'clock. So they're on the scene from one o'clock to five o'clock and at five o'clock they take her out front to the police car they sit her in the police car they turn on an audio tape and they start recording her statement this is her first statement the detective conducted the audio statement with with sarah and his unmarked patrol or unmarked police vehicle outside the residence so right in front of the residence it sounds like and she provided a synopsis of the event after 
she was read her Miranda rights. She was read her Miranda rights on the audio tape and she waived her rights to counsel and agreed to speak to the police. That should send up bells. That should set all kinds of bells and red flags off for you. Never waive your right to remain silent. That's that's her number two mistake. Her number one mistake was being stupid and killing George. Number two was waiving her rights when the police were interviewed. I have all kinds of videos on my YouTube channel, on all my social media platforms about making statements and talking to the police and why you should not do it. Ever, never, ever. So she waives her rights and she provides her story. This is where they hook her. This is when they do interviews, they do this first interview and they hook you into a story. She says that they're at the residence the night before or the day before at approximately four o'clock along with George. Their son is over at his dad's house, so she's divorced. They were painting pictures and completing a puzzle while sharing a bottle of Chardonnay. As the evening went on, her and George wanted to play hide and seek because we all sit around and drink wine and then play hide and seek, right? She went and hid upstairs in the shower first and said George never came to look for her. After a while, she decided to go downstairs and look for George. Sarah and George both thought it would be funny. I'm guessing George no longer thinks it was funny if she zipped George up in a blue suitcase that was located downstairs in the living room. They apparently had gathered up the suitcase and some other items that they were going to donate. So the, the suitcase was downstairs, and they thought it would be funny if they zipped George up in it. So George, being George, apparently gets in the suitcase and lets Sarah zip him up. That he willingly got into the suitcase, Sarah zipped the suitcase up, but two of George's fingers were able to stick out of the suitcase. I guess through the zipper. The zipper wasn't done all the way. They were both laughing, laughing as she zipped George into the suitcase. Sarah said the attached handle made it easier to zip the suitcase up that was broken. So I guess the, the zipper tag was broken, but they put a paper clip on it and she was able to zip it closed. So at about 12.30 a.m., she decided to go upstairs and go to sleep while George was still in the suitcase she tells the police she thought George could get himself out of the suitcase. Makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I zip people up in suitcases all the time and leave them hanging out and seeing if they can get out, right? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure everybody does that. Nothing, nothing suspicious there. So she goes to bed. She figured that George would get out of the suitcase, unzip himself, and come on up to bed. She fell asleep. She said that neither she nor George were drunk. Now remember that because that'll come to play later. She woke up in the morning when she heard her cell phone ringing but ignored the calls. And then she finally got up around 11 and went downstairs to look for George. She knew her ex-husband would call him because he's the only person who calls repeatedly to see if she's going to get their son from school. She stayed upstairs for a while and assumed George was downstairs on the laptop looking for employment. Because, yeah, right. I mean, that's a logical assumption, right? I, mean, I could see us all assuming that. She went downstairs at about 11 o'clock and she couldn't find George anywhere. 
she freaked out and remembered the light bulb goes off. The last time she saw George was when she zipped George in the suitcase. She unzipped the suitcase and found George unresponsive. What a shocker, right? Then she calls her ex-husband. And she tells him George is dead and begs him to come over. He comes over, he gets her to call the police, and he goes outside, out front, to wait for the police to come. And I guess she stays inside. Apparently, the 911 operator gave her some instructions about probably to see, check and see if, he, if George was alive or whatever. So the ex-husband waits outside. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting a call from your ex and go, hey, I think my boyfriend or my girlfriend's dead. Can you come over to the house? I'm not so sure I would go. I mean, I would call the, I would probably go, but I would be calling the police while I was going. I wouldn't wait to get there and then call the police. But just, just the shock of, hey, can you come over this morning? I think George is dead. I'd be like, what? Anyway. So the police continue their investigation. They get consent, written and verbal consent and waivers and affidavits from Sarah, the girlfriend, to search her iPhone. This is her mistake number three. She killed George, she waived her rights, she gave a statement, now she's given consent to search her phone. So this is mistake number four for her, or bad move number four. They have a forensic investigator come to the scene, download the cell phone. They find two videos on the cell phone. Okay, this is mistake number five. And this is what makes criminals criminals, and this, what, this is what makes criminals apprehendable, and this is what makes murders solvable. Remember, most murders are conducted by people you know, but this almost makes it too easy. There's two videos on the cell phone. What do you think the videos contain? Why, they contain videos of George in the suitcase. You can hear on the videos, George yelling out Sarah's name. Sarah tells George, for everything you've done to me, F you. And she starts laughing and saying, F you, stupid. George repeatedly kept calling out Sarah's name. He says, I can't F and breathe, seriously. Sarah tells him, yeah, that's what you do to me when you choke me. George continued to repeat himself, telling Sarah he could not breathe. And she says, that's on you. Oh, that's what I feel like when you cheat on me. And she's got all this on her cell phone that she just gave the police consent to search. She says, you should probably shut the F up. In the video, the police say, the suitcase was facing downward and you could see George pushing the suitcase in an attempt to get out on the video. That's the first video. The video is two minutes and three seconds long. On the second video, George is yelling out Sarah's name. The suitcase is now in a different position, facing upwards and moved towards the left side of the living room. So she's moving him around the living room. I mean, is this wild or what? I mean, this if if you're if you're a fan of true crime and you know investigations, this is definitely where it's at. The second video, the second video is two, 22 seconds long. 
So what do they do? They photograph the scene, they process the scene, they do their thing. Do they arrest Sarah at the scene? Come on, come on. No, they do not. They do not arrest Sarah at the scene. They send George for an autopsy. The autopsy reveals from the medical examiner that George has injuries. He's got long nail scratches to his mid upper back, large nail scratches to the back of his neck and contusions to his left shoulder. His left skull and forehead contu contusions are considered to be blunt force trauma. And he had a cut near his lip. So what do you think happened? She gets George, George in his infinite wisdom gets in the suitcase and she starts beating on George. Probably with, you know, a stick or something. But the medical examiner determines that he has some blunt force trauma. So they call Sarah up. This is her mistake number, what are we up to, six or seven? They call Sarah up the next afternoon and Sarah agrees to drive to the sheriff's office to provide another statement. So they do a video recording and an audio recording in this statement. They read her, her, her Miranda rights again, you know, the right to remain silent and all that stuff. She acknowledges she understands it like she did the first time. She again waves her Miranda rights for the second time and agrees to talk to the police. And then she provides another statement. So she's already, she's already given her first statement and her first statement makes it sound like, oh, George and I are joking around. George, we thought it was funny. George gets in the suitcase. I zip him up and I go to bed like everybody would do. Anybody would do that, right? So she provides that first statement. So the cops have her locked in to a story. Now they confront her with different information or conflicting information and watch how her story changes. And this is how she hangs herself. They feed her the rope, she puts it around her neck, and then she jumps off the bridge and hangs herself. This is classic, classic, excellent, A number one, by the book, Homicide Investigation. They sit her down on this, on this audio and video recorded interview and they go, hey, listen, Sarah, guess what? George has these injuries. He's got these blunt force injuries on his body. So Sarah continues to deny that there was a physical altercation between the two. Then they show her the videos, the videos that they got off of her phone. She goes, I don't want to, she, she looks at him for a little bit. She goes, I don't want to see them. They're bad. She said they looked bad. She denied intentionally leaving George in the suitcase. Of course, because if she says, yeah, I left him in the suitcase, she's admitting to it. They ask her. This is where they get her on a specific question. They ask her why she intentionally went upstairs and waited for George to come upstairs and didn't check on him or get him out prior to going upstairs. That's, that's a very good question to ask. You see, they're not, they're not asking, hey, why did you go upstairs and leave George in a the suitcase? They're asking, 
why did you intentionally go upstairs and wait for George and not check on him? So they're planting that intentional seed in her head. Then she con then she begins to con contradict her own statements. So this is where this is where she she's got the rope around her neck and she's now stepping out off the bridge. In her contradiction, she starts saying, "Hey, we were drinking alcohol." So now, even though before she says in her first statement that they weren't impaired or under the influence of alcohol, she says, "Yeah, we drank wine, but we weren't drunk." Now she's blaming the alcohol consumption. So, what do the deputies do? Hey, Sarah, you are no longer free to leave. Guess what? You just bought yourself a murder rap. So they transfer her to the Orange County Jail. And listen to this. This is, this is exactly what the homicide detective puts in a report. Based off Sarah's inconsistent statements on what occurred and the videos found on Sarah's iPhone, I believe I have probable cause to arrest Sarah Boone for second degree murder. Okay. Based off of her statements that she voluntarily gave them and the videos on the iPhone that she voluntarily gave them and consented to a search of. So what happens if you take those items out? What happens if she kept her mouth shut and she refused to turn over the iPhone? Well, they don't have the statements from her. If she lawyers up, she, they don't have the statements from her. They would get a search warrant for the iPhone and access the iPhone probably to see, and they would probably get the videos anyway. But what? let's say they, she didn't take, she wasn't so stupid that she videoed her crime on the iPhone. They wouldn't have a statement. They wouldn't have video. They would have arrested her anyway and charged her, but they wouldn't have as good of a case as they have now because she basically hangs herself. They give her the rope, she hangs herself. She gives the police, as often as happen in cases, she gives the police enough information to make an arrest. Sometimes in, in cases, the police do not have probable cause to make an arrest. They may have a suspicion, they might have everything else, but they don't have enough probable cause to make an arrest. So they will invite somebody to come down and give a voluntary statement. And they'll just feed them the rope, people will wrap it around their neck, and they'll jump off the bridge with it. It happens all the time. That's why you don't talk to the police. But in these, in these cases, you know, it's different when they're doing a theft investigation, you know, theft of a bicycle or something like that. It's different when they're doing a homicide investigation. Death is different. When you get into the major crimes, like homicide, robbery, sexual battery, those major crimes, these detectives are very good at what they do. You know, Orange County is a very large sheriff's office, not the largest sheriff's office in the state, but it's a large sheriff's office. When you get these detectives from, you know, Orlando, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Jacksonville, all the big cities with the big departments, these guys, this is all these guys do. It's not like, you know, some departments, smaller departments have detectives and they're split in two. Some of the detectives handle property crimes and some of the detectives handle person crimes. And person crimes, they handle everything from a simple battery to murder. In these big departments, these detectives only do murder cases. Every day, day in, day out, year after year, 
they are doing murder cases and they are very very good at what they do they're very very good at interview and interrogation as a matter of fact the best class i ever took in my whole career including being a lawyer was an interview and interrogation class i took as a policeman and i still use the information from that interview and interrogation class in my law practice today when i'm doing depositions and taking statements and these these guys these guys this is a textbook you know as 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 the detectives stating it you know if it's true if it flows as it's true it's a a textbook investigation on murder all right so it goes on to say that, you know, he's confident that Sarah committed a criminal act and zipped George in the suitcase where he could not get out. George begged with Sarah repeatedly telling her that he could not breathe. And Sarah left him in the suitcase, therefore provides an unlawful killing of George by Sarah. The actions were imminently dangerous and demonstrated a depraved mind without regard for George's life, to say the least. So what, what do we learn from that, from this case? Do not ever get into a suitcase and play hide and seek. So they charged Sarah, the state, the state attorney's office in Orange County on March 23rd. Now, Sarah, Sarah's arrested after this second interview and taken to the Orange County Jail. She sits in jail for almost a month, it looks like. And on March 23rd, 2020, the state attorney files a one-count information of second-degree murder against her. And some of the initial discovery in the case, the case is very new. So the discovery, which is the information that goes back and forth between the parties, um, like the, the 911 call, the cell phone videos, um, transcripts of any statements, actual recordings of any statements, crime scene photographs, crimes, copies of crime scene evidence. I mean, if there was a gun involved, you know, a picture of the gun, the property receipts for all impounded property. Everything that's related to the investigation, document-wise and item-wise, is called discovery. So the state provided a discovery exhibit on April 6th. And here's what they got. They got 123 pages of paper document discovery. And that probably consists of police reports, supplemental reports, arrest affidavits, crime scene reports, uh, any type of analysis reports that they had back already. Anyway, it's 123 pages of paper documents related to the case. One 911 call DV, on a CD, DVDs of the interviews, DVDs of both videos from the cell phone. And here's an interesting one, a DVD of public surveillance video. Now, in the reports that are available for public record, there's no mention of the publics so i'm guessing that they they maybe got on got the cell phone and got gps records got you know google records or facebook records whatever of locations or they got access to banking information and saw that she went to Publix, so they found a receipt anyway so Publix, which is a supermarket here in florida Publix plays a role in this to where they went and got the the surveillance video and I'm speculating, just guessing that it's maybe that it establishes a timeline, like maybe before or after the event she went to Publix. I mean, she had two hours. She got up at 11 a.m. and she doesn't call the police until one. 
So maybe during that two hours, she went to Publix. Anyway, so they probably got the public the video from the parking lot. I mean, if I was doing it, and I had a reason to get the video. I get the parking lot video, the door video, and all video from inside and see what she's doing in Publix. You know, what is she buying? Um, being better if it was Home Depot and she was buying a shovel and gloves and a wheelbarrow and all that stuff. But it's interesting that they got, and I don't know why, I'm just speculating, they got the video from the store. And digital forensic, forensic extraction for the cell phone, 32 looks like gigabytes i'm guessing that's only and that's on a usb drive i'm guessing that's the raw information they got out of the cell phone so very interesting case i mean it's not it's not something you see all the time certainly enough and there's there's the booking photo let me see hit it on all the cameras there's the booking photo. It's not going to show up well because of the green screen on the YouTube, but maybe if I hold it back here or something. Here. That's the booking photo of young Sarah. And Sarah's in a whole heap of trouble. And she is sitting in the Orange County Jail and will probably be there for quite some time. She's being held no bond. And she was originally represented by the public defender, but she now has a private lawyer Interesting enough, from Miami, right down, right a couple blocks from my office. I don't know how she hooked up with him, but he got her case, and he's right there down by the office. So looking through the – nothing really interesting in any of the other reports. It's just, you know, set for trial, which it won't be going to trial anytime soon. Arrest affidavits. Notice of appearance from the lawyer and stuff like that. Like I said, it's a very new case, but it's a very interesting case, very interesting uh, manner of death and not one you see. Like I said, I've seen people killed in all kinds of different ways and homicide really doesn't like phase me that much. Death, you know, you hear somebody about somebody getting killed, it really doesn't phase me that much, but this, this was interesting. And uh, I wanted to bring it to you and just kind of give you a little insight on what's going on and Give you a little insight when they do these investigations how a police officer may think about it and i also have for next week i have another case of a deputy shooting in florida where a deputy gets shot they arrest the guy that shoots the deputy but he gets out of jail free so that's another interesting case and that's a uh that, that'll probably be a precedent-setting precedent case here in Florida. If it's not already, I'll look into some of the other cases that relate to it and see how it relates to that. But that, that's another interesting case. I'll probably do that one next week. So let me know if you like this kind of stuff. I mean, this case just popped out to me, and I thought it would be fun to talk about and to give you some background on it. If this is the kind of thing you like, let me know, and I'll dig for some more cases. Or if I see anything here locally that I have personal knowledge of, um, I'll bring those to you. Um, of crimes or murder, whatever. Um, just let me know. Drop me an email or a DM. Or if you like the other format better, where I just give you updates of what's going on and talk about specific legal issues related to criminal law or family law, let me know. Or maybe I'll do both. I don't know. Or maybe we'll get into, you know, we'll do some of this true crime stuff because true crime seems really popular. I mean, there's a podcast for everything related to true crime. Um, it's... I mean, it's it's very interesting. I mean, working working homicide is probably 
I would think robbery. I didn't never work robbery, but I know people that work both robbery and homicide. And a lot of people say robbery is more interesting than homicide. And some people say homicide is more interesting than robbery. It's when you're investigating these cases, it's, it's very, very interesting. When you're attending autopsies and you're learning from the medical examiner about different things, different manners and different mechanisms of death, it's, it's just totally thrilling. And these shows on TV, you know, these shows on TV, they're not real. They try to, you know, use the, the talents of the actors to convey the interest in the case. But when you're actually working on it after, on a stretched out period of time and you're going step by step in these cases, it's, it's all consuming. I mean, it, and these detectives get caught up in the cases and, you know, all detectives do, they get caught up in their cases and they, they just feel the need to work on them. And the way I always looked at it is as a detective on a case, you have this dead person, this victim, you're the only person that can speak for this victim because the victim can't speak for themselves and you owe it to the victim to tell their story because they can't. But anyway, interesting case. I'll do a couple more of those. If you guys are interested, I'm going to do the one probably next week on the deputy that gets shot and then the guy that gets off on it. So that's it. If you need any updates on the court, I didn't see any updates. Um, I checked the orders. There was nothing new since yesterday. I posted a video yesterday on YouTube. I did a live on the weekly update, catching everything up on what's going on. I'm still waiting for the boat ramps to open so I can get out on the boat and do some fishing. So I'm not tied to the house and the bicycle and just sticking around here because everything else is closed. But supposedly in Miami-Dade County, they are going to open up parks and boat ramps. So I want to get out in the boat and do a little fishing. It's driving me nuts that it's been months since I've been able to go fishing. As always, it's my pleasure that you take time out of your day and you take a few minutes and you come in here and hang out with me. I thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm very humbled that as many people come in as they do. I'll take a look on the different platforms. I'm live tonight on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Uh, let's see. I'll take a look and see if there's any questions. Hi, Mercedes. How are you? Claudia, how are you? Let's see. Do we have anything on? Doesn't look like anything on YouTube. On TikTok, there's a bunch. So let's go over. I have to reach over here. All the great people, all these great people that check in on TikTok, there's like, there's a bunch of them. Ieatplates.com. People who don't eat plates. Okay, I don't eat plates. Thomas White, good evening. How are you? Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for coming in and uh, spending some time with me. Trucker Dude 09, Blues Clues. Remember, everything in police work is related to clues, at least investigations. Tripping OGD. Nope, not gonna, not going. Call 911. Yeah. I, can you just imagine picking up the phone and going, hey, or hearing, hey, um, can you come over here? Because I think George is dead. Now, even he probably knows who George is. He knows who George is the boyfriend. But there, I mean, I would probably go. I mean, just because of my background, I would probably go. But I'd be calling the police as soon as I got off the phone with her and go, hey, my ex-wife called me. And this is what happened. I'm on my way over there and just hope that the cops got there before I did. 
Anyway, SD grad students, 10 seconds coming into the room and recognize the mistake. Never ask, am I free or fail to invoke the fifth? Well, and when they're holding when they're holding you on homicide, you're not, I mean, regardless of what they tell you, you're not going anywhere. If the police have a warrant for the phone, do you have to give the phone's code or can you make them hack into they can get into it? They have they have forensic units that all they specialize in now is getting in the phones. And there's there's a rumor, and I can't confirm this. There's a rumor that and I've heard it from more than one source, and this is since I have left the police department. But there is a rumor that they have that the police have the technology to zero in on a location and get all active cell phones in that location and manipulate those phones. And by this device, they have a port, supposedly they have a portable device that will set up a mirror for a cell tower to where when they're doing surveillances and stuff, the bad guy's cell phones will actually connect to the police device and that will facilitate their communication and they'll get all the information they need from it and they can go back into the phone. But I don't, I don't know if that's real. Supposedly they have it and it's like the super top secret information that the, you know, the federal government or somebody lets them use on occasion, but they can't go to court on it or something like that. So you know how those things go. So I don't know if it's a tin hat thing or what, but that's what I hear. Thomas White, don't cheat. That's where it all started. Yeah, probably. Probably George got himself into trouble big time. The mother lover. Hey, it's my best friend at my worst time. Yeah, it is, brother. Thanks for coming in. Maybe there was a good BOGO at Publix. Biggest fan. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe that's why she went to Publix. I mean, it's always great when you see these cases, when you're doing, when you're hearing about a murder case, you're investigating a murder case and you track them to like Home Depot or Lowe's and they're buying shovels and gloves and utility tape and those big garbage bags and all kinds of craziness. Actually, what you just shared about the suitcase murder, I could see that becoming an episode of NCIS. Yeah, maybe. My mom loves NCIS. That and um that and Law and Order. She watches that. She binge watches that all the time. I, I, the shows I like, I like NYPD Blue and I like Blue Boys. But the rest of the shows, not so much. Sounds like a standby for crime scene episode. Yep. It's interesting. I'm interested in the psyche of it. Yeah, that's a that's a major. I mean, the psychology, the psychology of interview and interrogation is always fascinated an awesome awesome topic all right let's see if we have anything from instagram bunch of waves on instagram bunch of people checking in back to youtube nothing there we got everything cleared up on tiktok everything cleared up on facebook like again thank you all for coming in catch me Next Wednesday for sure. Wednesday, every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, I'll be Law or Law on the Life Live. I'll be on at least YouTube and Instagram. You can catch me there, or I'm sorry, YouTube, YouTube and Facebook. And then I pull in TikTok and Instagram. Well, I pull in TikTok. Instagram, if my other camera's working for Instagram, it doesn't always work. I have to bang on it sometimes. Um, 
I'll do that. All right, wait, somebody said I didn't answer their question. All right, who is it? Glamorous indie rock and roll. What is your question? Ask your question and I'll answer it. All right, stay safe, Miami fan. Anyway, Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, I'm always here. Sometimes I do the weekly update if there's information I need to bring to you or I think I need to bring. Maybe I don't need to bring it to you. Maybe you don't care. But I bring it to you because, if I don't know, maybe it's useful. Everybody likes it, so I do it. Let's put it that way. I also, I'm also starting to do interviews. I did one interview last week of a doctor who treats my accident victim. So if you're involved in an accident or something and you want to know about accident medical treatment, see that video posted on the YouTube channel. Um, I have also did an interview with a just the other day with a, um, a workers' compensation lawyer because I'm getting a lot of questions about because I represent a lot of police officers and firefighters and a couple nurses. And I get a lot of questions about what happens if I, you know, I'm out on the road, I'm out working on the road or I respond to a call and I contract the coronavirus while I'm at work. He's going to address some of those, some of those questions. I, I presented them all to him and he's going to give you a little information on that. And I have coming up an interview with an insurance guy because sometimes in family law cases, we need insurance policies to secure alimony and child support. And he's going to discuss that as well as, well as some, uh, flying or some um other stuff related to finances that's what i'm trying to say thank you for coming in i don't see any more question is it illegal to fly a plane into a preschool yeah pretty much it's it's illegal to fly a plane into anything where you're going to hurt somebody or other than the sky i believe so don't be flying planes in the schools thanks everybody for coming in i will see you at least next wednesday maybe next monday or tuesday for the update and maybe over the weekend with a recorded interview from one of my people i have lots of others coming in if you want to um, come in and be a guest if you have something interesting to say something especially if it's something related to law enforcement law criminal defense uh, family law, you have a story you want to tell, you, you have you have a business that supports one of those industries, personal injury, anything related to any of those topics, if you want to come on for Law and Life, law and life Live for an interview, feel free to do so. Let me know and I'll schedule, I have a bunch of blocks scheduled for people coming up. I have a list of about 30 30 people that I want to interview. And one of them, as a matter of fact, since we're on the topic of murder, one of the people I'm trying to get on is a, hum a retired homicide detective who just has some awesome experience and can tell you about some great stuff, including some cold case stuff. So join me, let me know what you like, and I'll try to incorporate that. And I see I have, wait, everybody stop. I have a message on Facebook from Deputy Chief Treadwell. So, Deputy Chief, hello, how are you? I should have her on. She's a Deputy Chief. She used to be my partner when I used to be in road patrol down south, but now she's a Deputy Chief. The Sheriff's Office will be talking about it next week. I'm guessing that's the case. Which Sheriff's Office will, oh, which Sheriff's Office will you be talking about? Well, if I, give, if I tell you what Sheriff's Office I'm talking about, you can look up the case and it'll be a spoiler, so I'm not gonna tell you, Deputy Chief. See, when you leave the police department, you can talk to command staff like that. Now, if I was still a policeman and Deputy Chief Treadwell comes up to me and goes, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? This, that, and the other, you better give her an answer or you'll be working midnights with Tuesdays and Thursdays off. 
So Deputy Chief Treadwell, I'm not going to tell you which sheriff's office, but if you text me, I will tell you. But you can't tell anybody because then everybody will look it up and nobody will come and listen to me. So that's that. No more questions. I don't see any more questions on the episodes or any different platforms. We're good to go everywhere. Thank you so much, everybody coming in. Looking forward to see you next Wednesday, if not Monday, Tuesday, or sometime over the weekend. Tip. Wait, one last question that came in. Tips for building a law school resume. DM me. I'll give you all the information you need to know about that. Do you have Corona? No, I don't even know anybody that has Corona. Nobody near me has Corona. I haven't heard of anybody that I know that has Corona. The only thing I know about Corona is what you see on the news, so you get the same thing that I get. Talk to you all later. Thanks for coming in. Have a good night.